Welcome to a special edition of the Wide Open Podcast. Today is uh, Sunday, September 30th. It's the day after the 2018 Shamrocks Dual Euro. And we're going to talk a little bit about the observations from the Dual Euro. We try and do this podcast once a week, so this is a special edition. We're going to do our regular, our regular podcast edition next Tuesday with members from Rescue 3, and we'll have a special guest in to talk about their race review uh, of the Shamrocks GP, or I'm sorry, the Shamrocks uh, Dual Euro like we, uh, like we try to do uh, every week. Uh, but I saw lots of things yesterday and experienced lots of things yesterday that I thought that uh, I thought would be important to share. And since we try and keep this podcast around 30 minutes, uh, it would be too much to do on Tuesday. The, the reason for 30 minutes is that I figure most of you are listening to the podcast in your car, and most people commute, you know, an average of 30 minutes or around there. And if it goes much longer than 30 minutes, you don't want to make the investment. Uh, but I could be wrong. Maybe some of you are listening to the podcast where you're sitting on the can Facebooking. And in any event, 30 minutes is uh, the maximum length before your legs would go numb and you couldn't stand up. So we'll keep it around 30 minutes. Uh, before we get started, as always, the Wide Open Podcast is sponsored by Rad Custom Graphics, uh, Ryan Abitoy Designs. Uh, Ryan uh, has a full service uh, that he he can handle your graphics. Uh, if you want to wrap on your van, you need uh, wraps or graphics for, for business, t-shirts, hats, uh, anything like that, Ryan's your guy. We're going to be in Ryan's backyard next weekend uh, with the Viewfinders GP. So if you hit him up, uh, and it's uh, I know he's super busy, but if you hit him up and there's something he can do quickly, he can bring it to you at the GP, I'm sure. Uh, you can reach Ryan at radcustomgraphics.com. I'm excited to add a couple of new sponsors to the Wide Open Podcast. Uh, first, the first sponsor, that I'm pretty stoked about these ones, uh, it's Shreddy Gear. Uh, now, if I'm talking to someone uh, my age, uh, you might not know what this is, but if you got kids, they know what it is. Uh, Shreddy Gear is is just a super cool, uh, fresh new gear. They got hats, hat shirts, kids apparel. Uh, it's a real killer throwback. If you some of the styles that they have, it's a real throwback to to the late '80s uh, skate punk scene. Really super cool stuff. Uh, you can you can check all this stuff out by going to shreddylife.com. That's spelled S-H-R-E-D-D-Y-L-Y-F-E.com. I suggest you go to shreddylife.com right now. Well, not right now. As soon as you're done listening to the podcast, go to shreddylife.com and pick out some, some of the cool tees and some of the cool hats and get that stuff sent to your house ASAP. The next sponsor of the Wide Open Podcast is Heatwave Visual. I gotta be honest. I got turned on to the heatwave heatwave glasses by some of the kids who were in the desert. I saw them rocking these really these really cool looking uh, sunglasses. So when I got home, I looked at I looked them up, and turns out, I mean, they have a full line of really awesome eyewear. I mean, this stuff's pretty badass and pretty durable. So for those of you who don't know what I do when I'm not doing a podcast and not riding a motorcycle, I've been in construction for over 30 years. Uh, and one of the things that, that I struggle with, as I'm sure most of you that are in construction struggle with, is trying to find a good, a good pair of eyewear that you, that's durable, that you can wear at work. And then now with all the safety stuff that we have to deal with, that also, also complies with all the ANSI regulations. Uh, Heatwave Visual has 
has managed to somehow cross those two things. They have a full line of, of, of eyewear, sunglasses uh, that don't, that don't, uh, that, that don't have an ANSI rating, but they have some really cool ANSI rated glasses, both clear glasses and sunglasses. Um, I ordered a pair of the, the vice clear glasses that I wear inside. Cause now with a lot of the, you know, a lot of the safety regulations that we have, they won't let you wear tinted lenses if you're working inside. Uh, but we, you know, I do as much work outside as I do inside. And I got a pair of the laser face, uh, eyeglasses as well. They're super cool. You know, give you good protection, both from the sun. And if you're, you know, and if you use them for work, like I do, they're, they're great protection, uh, for, you know, trying to keep stuff from going in your eyes. I mean, as much as I try and fight it, Hey, you only got two eyes, you lose those, you're screwed. So let's get to what we're really here to talk about. So yesterday uh, I rolled out with Lisa. Lisa and I rolled out, to, rolled out to Charlie's place to go to the Shamrocks Dual Euro. Uh, always look forward to their Dual Euro. They do a good job by all appearances. Uh, yesterday was no different than the years that they've done in the past. But I did something a little different yesterday that I, I haven't done for quite a while, and I decided to, to volunteer and ride with R3. Uh, in the middle of the year, I went from a 250 to a 450, so my points were kind of screwed, and now just me getting on the bike, all I'm doing is messing up somebody else's points. So I kind of pick and choose the races that I want to, ru that I want to ride. Um, but I, you know, I, I still love being in the desert every weekend, even if I'm not racing and Lisa wanted to race. So I figured I'd roll up there and I would volunteer with R3. I had spoken to Andy, the captain of R3 earlier in the week, and he told me that they might be a little shorthanded. So I figured it would be a perfect time, uh, for me to go ahead and volunteer. Now I will say this, that I've ridden with R3 before, uh, but kind of in a much looser fashion than I did yesterday. Um, I, when Murray, Capco, and I are not racing, uh, we'll roll by. We'll roll by the R3 CP, grab a radio, and just and kind of bounce out and, and hang out and kind of listen to the radio. And if the, we hear that there's a problem, we kind of roll over in that direction, kind of act as what they call rapid responders. Um, R3 generally has bike teams and they have side by side teams, but these guys are are as we would want them to be more medic than they are motorcycle rider. And sometimes it's a little difficult for them to kind of know where, where the course goes uh, or have an idea of where a club might be going with their course. So it takes them a little bit of time sometimes to get to, to somebody that might be in a remote area and riding as a rapid responder and knowing the desert, you can go, Oh, well, yeah, yeah. The ribbon may go that way, but I know that guy's right on the other side of that hill. So, but this time I decided that I, I went ahead and I checked in with R3 and I, got a chance to ride around with one of the bike teams. Um, I rode with Matt Brillinger for most of the day yesterday, and I got a chance to really uh, see uh, from a different perspective what it is that R3 goes through. So I'm gonna try and describe what my day was like. Um, I rolled over to the R3 CP, grabbed a radio, uh, talked to Matt for a little bit in the morning, and we kind of he kind of decided he you know he was still trying to to coordinate everything that was happening. Um, R3 was short a couple of key players that are normally there, um, and so it made it a little little more difficult. Uh, Matt was uh, Matt was managing uh, the the resources that he had available to him, which you know I thought he did a great job of. And so he sent me over to Course B, and I rolled over to Course B, and I was kind of I kind of wrote it. it. Course B was 
was no different than a lot of the Euro loops that we've run on that side, uh, basically west of Toronto Road, if you're at Charlie's place. So you kind of know what you're going to get on that side. Lots of, lots of, lots of dead man rocks uh, if you're trying to get off course uh, in the dust. So I wrote a little bit of the course, uh, knew where we'd had, where I had seen problems in the past when I was racing, and figured I would hang out there. So shortly after that, uh, Matt met me out there. Uh, we kind of hung out. First race was uneventful. Second race was. Uh, you know, on that particular course was, uh, I think it was uh, Mag and Senior, uh, Intermediates and Novices. And so we had ridden around a little bit. I told him, I said, hey, I think there's a, we might have a problem right here. And, you know, we were hanging out there. Bomb came through. And, and sure enough, you know, in the dust, we catch a guy, a guy riding backwards and realize, you know, pretty quickly that the reason he's riding backwards is because he's going back to a rider who had crashed that we can't see in the dust. So we rolled over there. Uh, you know, helped uh, helped the guy to his feet. He seemed to be fine, and he continued, uh, you know, continued on with his race under his own power. Shortly after that, it seems as though all hell broke loose, and I got to experience what it is that R three must go through. So the first call comes, and the first call comes of a of a of a possible broken leg, and it is at the at the south end of the of the course. So. We take off and ride as fast as we can. Uh, find the rider who has indeed broken his broken his leg. He had a he had a tib fib inside his boot. Hit a, you know hit a rock in the dust pretty hard bro and broke his leg. He was in pretty good shape, um, but he's in a pretty precarious spot. So you have to find some way to get him out of there um, or or get or get resources to him. Um, he was uh, kind of uh, I would say maybe thousand yards away from Searle Station Road. So we, so Matt calls in uh, the side-by-side, -side, the R3 side-by-side, -side, and I will say that there was only one R3 side-by-side -side that, that, that was at the Shamrocks race. So the R3 side-by-side -side, uh, comes down Searle's, Searle Station, uh, we have Liberty Ambulance, uh, meet them down there. The side-by-side -side manages to get to where the rider is. He's in you know, relatively good shape. Uh, we get him to his feet, get him in the side-by-side. -side, uh, and they, you know, so we're getting him in the side-by-side. -side. While we're getting him in the side-by-side, -side, there's a call of another rider down, not moving, unconscious. And he is between uh, home check and check three, I believe it is, which is all the way back up Toronto Road, just past where camp is. So Matt stays to make sure that everything is good there. I take off and I bomb back up there to see if I can offer some assistance to the rider. Now, with the first rider, he was there and he was being assisted by a badger who had stopped for him. When I rolled back and I got back to where the other rider was, he looked to be in pretty bad shape. I'm not exactly sure what his injuries wound up being, but it appeared as though he had uh, broken some ribs. Um, he had been knocked unconscious. He was having a lot of trouble breathing. Um, came to with the, uh, with the typical concussion protocol of being rather combative when he came to, and then, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, repetition in his speech. And there were several Badgers that had stopped with him. So my hat's off to Badgers. You know, none of these riders were Badgers that got hurt, but there were, there were a ton of Badgers that were helping yesterday. And that's one of the beautiful things about clubs you know, the assistance that they offer. So 
uh, Matt showed up and we were able to, or he, you know, I'm, I'm just some guy that rides a motorcycle. I have minimal to no uh, medical experience or medical training. I mean, I can, uh, I can roll up and be that calming voice that's going to tell you that everything's going to be okay. And what I can tell you from a lot of time riding and stopping for a lot of downed riders and from being the guy that was assisted by R3 and getting flown out of the desert, that sometimes all you need is that calm voice that's going to tell you everything's going to be okay. Uh, we, as desert racers, when you take off and go out on a, you know, you venture off on the ribbon, you're, for all intents and purposes, by yourself. It's a very lonely thing. Um, and for someone else to be there when you're in the worst possible way, you are, you are at your most vulnerable when you've crashed and you're out there in the desert by yourself and someone comes up and they tell you it's going to be okay, you believe what they're saying. Even if what they're saying is a bunch of bullshit, you believe what they're saying because you need to. And someone being calm and telling everything's going to be okay really works wonders in helping until the people who really know what they're doing get there. And that was the case with this particular rider. There were a ton of people who had stopped to offer assistance. Uh, there, were, there was one badger there um, who clearly had some medical training. I'm not sure what his profession was, but I could tell by some of the things that he was saying that, that he was able to offer assistance beyond what the regular rider could do. So anyway, Matt showed up and was able to quickly assess that this rider, <clears throat> that this rider needed to be transported. Um, we had already, had, Liberty was already picking up one rider, but uh, Liberty was on point with getting another ambulance there because they were swapping out ambulances. So we were able to get the replacement ambulance to eventually get down to where this rider was and, and work out the logistics of getting him out of there. And while all this was happening, another call comes through. Now there's a rider on A course that's down and not moving. So they gave a rough idea of where it was Calm communications were spotty at best, and I so all of these things are happening, and each one of them, the stress level and the tension level is just elevating and elevating for me anyway. I, I'm 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 feeling overwhelmed with the stress that there is of of all of these sequential accidents that require someone with, with medical knowledge far greater than mine to be able to go and assist these riders. What I can say is that while well, my stress level and my tension level was, was going up and up and up, the professionals that ride with Rescue 3 stayed calm through the whole thing. We took off to go ride and find the other rider, and this wound up being the most serious of the accidents that we had to deal with at that particular moment, or at, with those cluster of accidents. Mind you, these, this cluster of accidents all happened in the same race or I should say the same race schedule time, just on different courses. So we rolled over and eventually found the other rider. There was a rider that had stayed with him and he had a severe concussion. Turns out he had a severe concussion and a broken collarbone. Um, so this winds up being a very, a very difficult spot. So it, when you're, if you race in the desert quite a bit, uh, and you're racing around the area of Charlie's Place, you know what you're going to get when you're on the west side of Charlie's Place, and you know what you're going to get on the east side of Charlie's Place. The east side of Charlie's Place, uh, or east side of Toronto Road, can be rather desolate in some spots. It's, it's protected by, by several mountain ranges, and this particular rider was in a sand wash in between multiple 
or multiple mountain ranges. Making communications by radio, you know, non-existent. In order to, to be able to communicate back to the CP, we had to ride back to a road crossing uh, where, where Bob Koch was working and stand on top of the tallest rock you could find to tr so that you could just get a signal to relay and then relay could get a signal to R3. So you're playing a giant game of telephone to try and get information back so that you can actually assist the rider. It was uh, the determination was made that based on the, the symptoms that he was exhibiting after hitting his head pretty hard was that it would not be in his best interest to put him in a side-by-side -side and try and drive him out. Um, we had some good Samaritans who happened to be in the area uh, in pre-runners that came and they blocked the course because the next race was coming. Uh, they offered to put, uh, put the rider in their, in their trucks and drive him back. But again, the determination was made that it wouldn't be in his best interest for him to be bouncing around since he was exhibiting some pretty severe uh, repercussions from, from hitting his head. Uh, so the last thing you want to do when someone has hit their head is have them bouncing around because their brain's still bouncing around inside their skull. That's the biggest part of that concussion protocol. So it was determined that, it, that an airship needed to be brought in. The problem is, is that R3 can't order an airship on their own. Um, there, there's, specific, there, there's stuff about it, and I, the R3, when the R3 folks come in next week, they can explain a little better about how that whole procedure works. But what I can say is that you've got all of this chaos happening, which is preventing getting an airship in there you know, as, as quickly as we would have liked. So eventually, uh, communication, we, we get communication, uh, you know, Mercy comes in, lands the, lands the bird, uh, we get the rider in the in the airship. He takes off. Uh, the guy happened to be the the guy who had been hurt happened to be guest pitting, or or he he's the son of a of an old SoCal member. So he was out riding with SoCal as SoCal does. When they found out that they had a rider in the desert, they came out in force to assist. Uh, hats off to that club. I mean, they they rally around their own like you would not believe. Um, and we managed to get the guy out. His bike was taken care of. All that stuff was, was squared away. And as quickly as the accident happened, it was over. And we spent the rest of the day with not one call, not one call for service. So it went from not having enough people and, and being, being stretched to the absolute limit to, to all the resources that were there basically you know, sitting around twiddling their thumbs, hoping that they would get a call on the radio. Or I should rephrase that hoping that they didn't get a call on the radio. So here's the purpose of the podcast. And these are my observations. And, I, and I'm going to take you through the emotional roller coaster that I rode yesterday from the position of District 37 rider and District 37 president. So, and I want in no way for this to for the, for anybody to think that this is a what I'm about to say is a poor reflection on Rescue Three because it's not. Um, and when we get to the end, you'll see that it's not. So well, all I knew that Rescue Three was had some of their resources at another race that weekend. Uh, you know, there was a more race, and there were Rescue Three resources at that race. And so while all these, while we started having all these incidents, and our and the resources started becoming stretched thin, 
I start having this feeling, this feeling starts creeping over me of how come all the rescue, how come all the R3 resources aren't here? R3 resources should be at the District 37 race. I'm speaking as the District 37 president. I want all the resources available to Rescue 3 to be at, at a District 37 race to make sure that any rider in need is quickly attended to. That's my job as, as District 37 president. That's to look out for the best interests of the District 37 ridership. And that's the thought that's going through my head. And then we, but everything everything works out. We, we managed to work our way through all this stuff. So while I'm, while I'm riding around with Matt, we have a chance to have some conversations. And I, you know, he mentions to me that, hey, they only have one side-by-side -side available uh, to them. Uh, because they're working on the other side-by-sides. The other, si other side-by-sides are broken. And so my feeling starts to change a little bit based on this conversation. Okay, so you've seen the side-by-sides. Uh, uh, they've had those side-by-sides in the desert for as long as I can remember. Who knows how many hours those side-by-sides have on them. And they mob those things through anything that's in their way to come get you when you land on the ground, and they break, okay? And so when they break, they need to be fixed. And those things cost money. And R3 is not a for-profit organization. Okay? They, they operate off of some grants that they receive, but also largely on, the, on what the clubs pay when they come to their race and that donation jar. So that pays for parts. Okay? But then someone has to volunteer their time to, put, to, fit, to repair these side-by-sides. And that falls squarely on the shoulders of Matt and Andy. Okay, well, they've got full-time jobs. They've got lives that they live. They have jobs that they have to do. So the, all of this stuff is done on a volunteer basis. Every single person that participates with, with R3 is a volunteer. From the medics that are out on their motorcycles, to the guys that are riding in the side-by-sides, to Sherry in the CP being the calming voice and coordinating the chaos that is happening out in the field. All of those people are volunteers. They drive out to the races on their own dime most of the time. They put wear and tear on their own bikes most of the time. The R3 side-by-sides are owned by R3, but they're still they have a significant amount of wear and tear that requires somebody on their own time to, to repair them and money that comes from somewhere to fix them. So, so now my mood of how come all the resources aren't here starts to change because I realized that in order for R3 to do the job that they do for us, it requires them to do a job for somebody else. They also have to be participating in other races and getting paid someplace else so that they can keep their equipment and their resources up and available for District 37 races. It's no secret that our ridership has declined over the last few years. And with our declining, with our declining ridership, it makes it that, even that more difficult for them to have the the finances or funds available for them to do, do the job that they need to do so that we are safe in the desert. Now, even experiencing everything that they experience with all of the, all the, the cuts that they have, the lack of funding, the, you know, the lack of grants over the past few years, they still are there every weekend to protect us and make sure that we're going to get out of the desert alive. Now, most of you know that I have a soft spot for I was interrupted uh, by a phone call while we were talking about uh, R3, so I had to listen to the whole thing and see where I was so that I could uh, continue. So here we go, continue. Most of you all know that I have a soft spot for R3. 
I had a really bad accident in the desert uh, a few years back. And had it not, not been for R3 being there and coming to get me, uh, there's a strong possibility that I could have lost my life and most certainly would have lost my leg. So, so the things that R3 do, I mean, I am a huge supporter of. So to get to the crux of the conversation that we're having about R3 and what it is that I witnessed yesterday, R3 needs our help. Uh, you know, with it being a 100% volunteer organization, it requires 100% volunteers. And if you've been out there, you know, you probably casually notice R3 as you're out there riding in the desert. And, and you know what, to be, to be perfectly honest with you, if the only interaction that you have with R3 is dropping money in the R3 jar, then you're lucky. And that's what we want most of the riders to experience, is that they casually know about R3 because they drop money in the jar, you drop money in the karma jar, and hope that you're never going to have to need the assistance of R3. But from time to time, somebody does, and that somebody could be you. And somebody has to come get you when you, when you crash. Part of what we do is that we're, we're going to crash. We know that that's the, a possibility with what we do. We don't like to think about it, and, and it's taboo that I'm talking about it. But that is the reality of, of desert racing, is, is that sometimes we crash. You know that you're spinning the wheel every time you, you, that we go out and swing a leg over a bike and wait for the banner to drop. And you know, you know most races we get through and nobody crashes, but somebody does. And R3 comes to get you. Now, as I told you earlier in, the, in this episode, I have little to no uh, medical training whatsoever. I mean, I've got some you know, minor first aid training and I have CPR training. So, you know, if I come to help you, you know, that's the most I can offer. I can't, uh, you know, wrap a bandage on you. I can't diagnose you. I can't, uh, you know, give you an IV. I can't, uh, you know, legally give you drugs to make you feel better. Uh, but I can come and tell you that everything's going to be okay. And I can pinpoint your location so that the medical experts can come find you. Now, having said that and telling you what it is that I can do, that means that everybody that's listening to this can also do the same thing. And you know what? I think it's time that we had a few more people that, uh, that reached out to R3 and when they decided they weren't going to race that a particular race that maybe they gave back and they went and rode with R3. You can be that guy. You can be that guy that's going to be the calming voice or girl. Be that person that's going to be the calming voice to let somebody know that everything's going to be okay. If you have knowledge of the desert and you can ride a motorcycle fairly well, as most desert racers can, then you can be of great assistance to R3 and help to relieve some of the pressure that they have with you know, having limited resources from time to time with certain races. So that was really why I wanted to have, you know, wanted to have this kind of, you know, pre-podcast, the podcast that we're going to do next week with R3 was just to share my experiences and my feelings on what it was that I witnessed and experienced at Shamrocks. This is more of a, of a PSA than anything else. And we'll call it a, we'll call it the R3 PSA. Um, I, I cannot, again, I cannot, uh, I cannot express enough the importance of having Rescue 3 at our events. Uh, they make it possible for us to do what we do. 
the the men and women that volunteer with Rescue 3, in my opinion, deserve sainthood. It's a thankless job. Uh, As I said, most people race without uh, even knowing who they are. They see the flag, they see the red side-by-sides. And if you're lucky, you'll you never encounter them and don't know exactly what it is they do. But I've uh, you know I've I've given you kind of a blueprint in this podcast of what it is that they experience. And this was just uh, on a regular day. If you think about the, if you race in the desert and you if you've raced a bunch this year, you can look back on the year that we had at the beginning of the year. You know, with uh, with all the weather that we had in the beginning of the year, I knew when I was driving to the to the races, I, you know, I would have a conversation with Lisa when I was driving to the races when we had all the rain at the beginning of the year, and 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 we would talk and say, I wonder how many helicopters we're going to have, because when there's no dust, everybody rides a little bit over their head, and it had to be an extremely trying time for Rescue Three having to deal with all of the stuff they had to deal with because there were an increased amount of of accidents in those particular races. And you'd also need to remember that for Rescue 3, you know, some of the people that ride with Rescue 3, you know, are also are also desert racers. So that means that they're our friends. With District 37 being a family, that means they're part of our family. So they're not responding to some random person that they in the field as if you were a firefighter or a paramedic or an ambulance driver where you would be responding to an accident that was your job uh, and you can somewhat detach yourself from that particular situation uh, because it's just some guy it's your job Um, they don't have that luxury they know all of us so they're responding to their friends yeah they have to see their friends in their absolute worst you know you know, at their very worst. I mean, I don't know how they do it. It's very difficult for me. Uh, I was familiar with every single rider that we responded to, so I have a personal connection with each one of those riders, and it and it and it bothers me. It took a little piece of my heart with each one of those people that I had to go out and and not had to every every one of those people that I volunteered to go out and help, um, because I have a personal connection with everybody that races in districts. So it's it's hard for me try to play the tough guy but it's still it's hard for me I see someone someone in need um, and but I but I left yesterday feeling good because I felt like I had given back it's good for the soul to give back so I'm reaching out I guess I'm, I'm reaching out I'm trying to empathize with the people that I'm talking to do something that's good for your soul and you know if you're not going to race Go over to go over to R three. They'd be more than happy to take to 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 let you come and ride with them, to volunteer, to offer your assistance. Give back to your fellow man, to your fellow racer. Um, this this thing that we do, this big this big desert racing thing that we do, what makes us so special? What what makes District thirty seven so so special? The clubs within District thirty seven is that we're a giant family. So. As much as we uh, get caught up in uh, in our daily life and the day to day you know thing that we do, and then we go to the races and we're chasing points and chasing plates, um, at the end of the day we're a big family. So, uh, if I leave you with one final thought, uh, it's that I would uh, it's that I would appeal I would appeal to whoever it is that's listening to this podcast to when you have time to offer your assistance to Rescue 3 and just and just go ride around with them. I mean, you could be you could ride in a side-by-side and be and be paired up with uh, with someone in a side-by-side team or get on your motorcycle and go and go ride around and and be a rapid responder and and, and offer your assistance uh, where needed. So, thank you much for very much for your time. 
Um, we will be back on Tuesday with, uh, with our regular podcast and a race review from someone who actually raced the race of the Shamrocks uh, Dual Euro. And we will have uh, conversations and discussions with the fine folks from Rescue 3. As always, we will see you at the races.